was exuberant and a delight to be around. So says his dog. He, he fought on the front lines of healthcare as a pharmacy technician at the corner of, I'll let you guys fill the blank in. But through his experiences there, he hardened his heart towards the wiles of higher pay on the retail pharmacy bench. And he suited up for the adventure of finding a brighter tomorrow. I'm excited to have Dan on the podcast today, and I guarantee you're going to learn something uh, from this short glass of water. So, Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast today, man. Thank you for, for having me, and thank you for that incredible introduction. I got goosebumps a little bit hearing you talk about me. I don't think I've ever been described as exuberant, so. How about a short glass of water? Short, yes. Glass of water, but I'll yeah. take them all. Well, it's okay. You know, if we are getting a little bit of lag off of Dan's voice, but he's, uh, I'm sure it's just the Wi-Fi out. And where, where are you at again? Is it, it's Canada, right? Like uh, Perth, Canada? Is that where you're at? R- rural Ohio. So basically Perth, Canada. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't, there's not I don't a Perth, there's Canada. A Perth no, Canada. There's, there's not. It's Australia. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, wh- where you came from and where you are now? Yeah. So I am originally from upstate New York. Um, I did my undergrad at Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, that is when I first met John. Was I was a sophomore. And as he mentioned, I met him as a pharmacy technician. And uh, we instantly connected. Sorry about that background noise. But yeah, we instantly connected as, as soon as I met him. Um, and during that time, that's when I started to figure out what I wanted to do. Originally, I thought I wanted to be a doctor like every 16-year-old and 17-year-old kid going to college. Uh, and I quickly realized I didn't want to do that. And so I was checking out pharmacy and I really enjoyed my experience with John. We had a lot of fun. I think it was more John than it was working at Walgreens. Um, but yeah, I, I had a great time. So I was like, I'm going to continue to work in pharmacy. But yeah, I had um, I had just made the decision to apply to pharmacy school. And so as I was doing that, actually a C-executive um, she was the CEO of a small startup pharma company, um, and she told me about what she's doing. She asked me what I wanted to do. I told her I was going to pharmacy school, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to be like a traditional pharmacist. And she was like, well, come check out industry and see how you like pharma. And I didn't realize it at the time, but she was offering me an internship. And so I was able to do that. And I did that for from like May to middle of August, something like that, before I started pharmacy school. And I really enjoyed it. I loved the pace of the job. I loved the flexibility of the job. And so as I went into pharmacy school, I told myself I will likely end up in industry. Um, 
I thought the clinical experience as well as the opportunities to work with people would be really good in pharmacy school. So I felt confident about that decision. Um, and I still do. And so I went to pharmacy school and the, the program was a three-year program instead of a four-year program. So when it went by super quick and I was in a really good position where I had a good relationship with our um, director of experimental education. Uh, I talked to her a bunch. So she was able to kind of let me pick my appies and what I did and what I wanted to do. Um, so I did a bunch of clinical appies, a bunch of retail appies at like, you know, CVS Target and stuff like that. Um, but I also had an incredible opportunity to work at Sanofi and do an appy at Sanofi where I worked on a team called the Medical Intelligence and Patients Perspective Team. And there I did like R&D consulting for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and so that was kind of my first plunge into the oncology world. And around the same time, a really good friend of mine was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And so as I really enjoyed the, the work I did at Santa Fe and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I think that, you know, that personal experience of having somebody very close to me um, also be impacted by something similar was the impetus to go into oncology, um, but on the industry side. So after I graduated, uh, I spent about two and a half, three months, I think, sending in hundreds and hundreds of applications to <laughs> to industry jobs in, in oncology. And I got a bunch of really terrible job offers um, that I <laughs> that I thankfully declined, and I landed on a really good learning and growth opportunity at Foundation Medicine, where I did translational oncology and essentially kind of variant curation, so cancer genomics work. And while I was there, I had. Uh, yeah, I had I had the chance to do a lot of different things, and that kind of led me to pursuing a product manager role at a technology company that is focused on cancer genomics. And so that's where I'm at now. I'm at Genomenon, and I'm the clinical product manager there. Okay, that that is a mouthful. There's so many questions that come out of that too, <laughs> dude. So um, a couple things. You said that you thought you wanted to be a medical physician, but decided not to do that. What, what did you see or why did you decide not to? Uh, so shout out Dr. Petropoli. He is a sports medicine doctor that allowed me to shadow him for a couple of days. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be working with a bunch of athletes. It's going to, you know, I'm going to do so many cool things. And it was like me watching him do like six hours of paperwork and, you know, like writing medical notes. And then I watched a knee surgery on like a 75 year old man. And it was the most aggressive thing I've ever watched. Like knee right. surgery is not gentle. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Hammers, um, chisels, drills. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, yeah, like a two-person saw going back. And forth. It, it's it's just but, like uh, Scrubs, right? Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah. is it the surgement? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so immediately I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't sound like it's going to be for me. Um, but yeah, that was. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why I thought I was going to be a doctor or wanted to be a doctor, but. I mean, yeah, you're on the front lines. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. And there's yeah. and there's a lot of respect for physicians. Um, I I would not that there isn't a lot of respect for pharmacists because even in the retail setting, in my experiences, patients love pharmacists. Um, oh yeah. But among the medical community, it, it's not like a glamorous job. Uh, any any television program or movie usually depicts the pharmacist in the basement, uh, you know, coming out of the, the lair, like, um, with crazy hair, just saying, you mix these potions or <laughs> on the opposite end, you've got, what's that, what's that show, uh, where they've got this, is it superstore? The pharmacist there. I mean, he's, he's hilarious, but again, he's like the Phil Dunphy of, of pharmacy. So, Becoming a physician, it garners a lot of a lot of respect in your head. But some people get into the roles that they intended from the beginning, and then they realize down the line that I I shouldn't have gone into this. I didn't know much about it. I I remember I don't know what it was like for your class, but when I in my graduating class, uh, at least fifty percent of the students had never even stepped foot in a pharmacy before, didn't even know uh, what it really was. Um, unfortunately, probably a lot of people go in because of the pay. Um, pay coming out of pharmacy school is really great. It doesn't grow much once you get out, but at least in the traditional settings, um, but it's, it's a good number to look at when you've got all those loans coming out. So we make decisions as students all the time, just based off of, either little information, bad information, um, or just following our emotions. So I, I give it to you. TJ was saying the same thing yesterday. He intended wholly to go in as a nurse. Um, he said his, his uh, grandfather, I believe, I might have to check myself, was a surgeon himself. So it, it was the same deal. You have these ideas of where you're going to go and just life, life gives you a dose of reality. Uh, I'm glad that it happened to you before you really intended uh, on what you were going to go into for pharmacy school. So you said that you had a lot of experiences, good experiences with your director of experiential education. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So did, uh, how did that work out? Did you, were you just pursuing and just trying to become uh, friendly and just to get an idea of what's even out there? Or did you have an intention? You said, listen, I really want to do a, B and C. How do we get there? Um, yeah. So essentially I told her within maybe three weeks of being there. So the program I did was a three-year program instead of four, like I mentioned. So everything was expedited in the sense of, you know, picking your first it be mm -hmm. and like talking about career aspirations, which I really liked that we talked about that early on. Um, but I think I developed a good a good relationship with our like kind of our staff and our teachers um just because i was real with them like if i didn't you know do something or i was late like i was just blatantly honest like yeah sorry like i just woke up like two minutes ago i'm 
I, I don't mean to be 30 minutes late or something, something like that. And like, they really appreciated that. So I think like, I think that's how I started to build those relationships. Just be honest and just be a real person, be a good person. And so I told her um, right off the bat, I was like, Hey, like I want to go into industry. So mm -hmm. once my appies come around, um, you know, is there any way we can check to see if we can get into um, a pharma rotation or, you know, a rotation at, managed healthcare or something did they have like those that. established those relationships with pharma or managed care not really it was <laughs> it was funny because the only established relationship we had was at sanofi mm -hmm. and i'm not even sure how that happened but uh she flat out said yeah sanofi said they only want you know like our most promising or you know <laughs> Students like that, and I know I, I feel like you terrible were, saying it? that. <laughs> it's like I genuinely was that. I was not even close to like the top in the class or sure. anything like that. I think just like having that relationship kind of helped me, you know, snag mm -hmm. that snag that position. And um, I went there, and I really, really enjoyed my time at Santa Fe. I learned a lot, and the preceptor there was a great mentor. She, mm -hmm. you know she was able to coach, but also treat you like a real professional. And I think that's what I like the most about it is that um, any clinical rotation or what's the word retail <laughs> rotation. Um, I felt like a student. I felt like I wasn't really like, you know, trusted or, or doing much or anything like that it's just like oh hey you know go sort the shelves or something but there it was like hey you're here to do a job do it mm -hmm. like yep. you want to be treated like a professional act professional mm -hmm. and you know crush this and yeah so i was very fortunate to have that because there were several other students that asked to have that rotation and didn't get the opportunity for you know one reason or another um but yeah, so it, very, it was a competitive at that time like did yeah. you know what, okay what yeah. did you did you have to do anything special um improving yourself to santa fe to choose you or was there what was the process in which they chose the student then um so you had to write like a intention statement essentially okay. and get like buy-in from your school to go uh and yeah, so, so I did that and she let me know, like, uh, I think like eight weeks before it started that I got it and I moved to Edison, New Jersey from mm -hmm. Connecticut and slept on a blow up mattress for three months while I was there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So when you got there, I'm sorry, I'm hanging on this so hard, but there's not many people that have this opportunity in school. So I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper. When you got there working with them, did you see why they wanted somebody who was the most promising, you know, your top of the class or, you know, it, whatever, they're in Chi Delta Phi or I, I wasn't in those because uh, I did not. I was in the same spot as <laughs> you, but I was a, I think I ended up with a three, six at the end of my, my schooling and I, I just want to know 
what your impression was of the level that they were looking for and how you overcame that. Like you obviously proved yourself with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was like people skills, like Mm -hmm. mainly social skills, like being able to, you know, talk to, you know, uh, the VP of sales to get his impression on, Mm -hmm. you know, market potential for a drug and, as I said, I, I definitely wasn't the best student. At, you had at confidence, school. and you knew how to talk to but people. I was, yeah, I was confident. Yeah. I knew how to talk to people, and I was I, I was genuine and authentic. And so yeah. I think that's you know that's what helped me the most. And that's something actually that you know you said to me when I was a sophomore. It's like you, you know, being able to build relationships and and be authentic and you know, just be social with people is, is gonna, gonna allow you to go a long way. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that stuck with me all through pharmacy, all through undergrad, all through pharmacy school and still today. So shout out, out John. Well, yeah, well you, you were, you presented yourself well, and that does go a long way. I think that's what I think I first told you as well is it's, it's how your, the first impression really went a long way. Um, Okay, so did you have to help create a appy location spot with your experiential director? Or was Santa Fe really the only one that was the non-traditional route that you didn't have to build any sort of uh, pathway to, uh, if you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, um, that was the only opportunity that I had. I also had an opportunity at uh, what's it called, Genoa Healthcare, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was like it's like uh, I forget what the exact term is, but it's like a psychiatric focus, mm-hmm. um, and like that was that was a bit different too. Like, yeah, we were in a pharmacy, but we were in a pharmacy within like a healthcare system. So, right, right, um, yeah. Well, I'll say from at least the folks that I saw in school, there were people who went to California. They knew it was something, some niche practice site that didn't have an internship yet. And they had to work with the experiential director as well to make sure that they met the requirements in order to send a, a student there. But they did that multiple times. So it's not that those don't exist. It's just it might take a little extra effort to get to what you actually want instead of letting the schooling happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's one of the main things. It's like, if you know what you want to do or even have an idea of what you want to do, like you just got to be proactive. You just Mm got to go for it. You got to talk to the right people. You got to have those weird conversations with Mm -hmm. people you've never talked to before. And, you know, and, and like, don't be, too transactional or mm. be salty if you don't you know get get your way or get what you want like you said um, be human because yeah, be a person. I, I was i've precepted <laughs> lots and lots of students i've had many interactions in different environments and i don't know if it's if it's my personality uh if this is just a characteristic that people like me have but I can, I can see through the BS with people. I know yeah. when somebody is only wanting something uh, to, to better themselves, but not necessarily 
globally. And uh, it, it does come across a little um, either selfish or not understanding how this works. This works, like you said, by building communities, relationships and collaborating. Uh, if you're the person that's going to just do what helps you out, only you, nobody's going to want to work with you anyways, first of all. And we're trying to move in, in healthcare to a more collaborative practice style where we're on these teams. We talked about medical, medical teams in school uh, on end. Now, as pharmacists, that's because we're tr still trying to fight to show the worth in, in the medical system and insurance and billing. Uh, but it's if, if you're not moving towards your end goal now, you, what are you doing currently that's really going the direction? Uh, I think there's a lot of people I talk to, students, who say, I want to be here. I want to be a CEO of my own company doing this and that. And I'm thinking, okay, well, why don't you start here? What, why show up to work on time then? Um, know the simple tasks I'm trying to teach you because if you don't know the base, then who are you to lead a whole company? You, you gotta do the hard work. Now you gotta be the janitor. Um, I was in maintenance for the, one of the companies I worked for, uh, before I moved into pharmacy. So I, I had to clean toilets and, and find, find out why people kept stealing toilet paper from the woman's bathroom. So sometimes you gotta do that to move forward. Uh, when you, so when you got through the Santa Fe, uh, app rotation and you've already made in inroads to industry, I don't know if we want to talk about it here, but I I'm curious what bad job offers you don't have to mention the company, but what, what did you see as a <laughs> poor bad job offer? Because right now especially people are taking job offers where they wherever they can go because the market is so strange for pharmacy right now we need to help people identify what is a poor offer when you're getting taken advantage of yeah yeah so right at um my plans were not to go straight into the workforce after after pharmacy school was to do a fellowship like that was the ideal thing um, and I started, uh, I, I started by attending like a mid-year, um, I think it's called mid-year, right. Where they showcase like a bunch of fellowships and stuff. Yep. Mid-year. Uh, I, yeah, I started by doing a mid-year, um, like meeting in New Jersey and I could not afford to go to San Francisco, wherever the mid-year was. And so I talked to a lot of people there. I was like, hey, I'm not going to be able to go to mid-year to do this traditionally. Like, can I still have an opportunity? And they were like, no, you need to go. And so I, <laughs> I sent a long, passionate email to the uh, director of the mid-year program. And I was like, Hey man, like I physically can't afford to be there. I want to be here. Um, you know, I, I still think I deserve a chance to at least interview with somebody. And he was like, okay, so, <laughs> so you're only going to get one chance. So, yeah. so pick it right. And I picked the clinical operations, uh, fellowship at Santa Fe and did the whole interview process. 
it was it was super cool because when i got to the airport there was some guy like holding a sign with my name and i've never felt so cool in my life like to this day like i, I have a picture of it on my phone like did right they now. give you the sign and <laughs> the guy got in the back seat and he's like you're driving <laughs> <laughs> no no he was he was super cool i was like i was like hey do you mind if i take a picture because that's pretty cool and he started laughing he was like yeah no of course um but i was the alternate choice so it was like mm-hmm. a four month period where I was interviewing and I had to present in front of like 30 people. Um, and I've definitely made some mistakes in the interview. Uh, I didn't talk about why, like I wanted to work for the company specifically, (laughs) um, which is like, you know, something you should do. And, um, but the, the preceptor uh, for the fellowship. I don't know if that title is preceptor. He really liked me and he told me that too. And he gave me a call like a few months later. He's like, Hey, we're waiting on our first choice candidate to make a decision. Um, Just so you know, you are our first alternate. So if she doesn't accept it, you know, you're next in line. Mm. And I was like, cool. Thank you. He's like, I'm so sorry. You know, we made you wait this long. And I was like, no, it's like, it's fine. Like I'm just doing school stuff. So <laughs> no worries. Um, and I ended up not getting it. And that was probably the best thing that's ever happened because mm-hmm. it's not that I was salty. It was more like, I thought I had an opportunity on lock and fellowships are a fantastic opportunity. You learn yeah. so much. And I, uh, I was like, all right, so now I got to kind of do this solo dolo and try to mm-hmm. figure out, you know, where I'm going to go and what I want what I'm going to do. And so I started applying to all these places and I was getting like job offers to be like a oncology, uh, CRA. So like clinical research associate, something like that. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, great. We, we love you. We think, you know, you're highly qualified. You have a doctorate. We're going to start you off at, you know, 58,000 a year. And I was like, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I had like, I think I had like six or seven of those job offers. And the, the difficult thing is like, I started feeling that like sense of, you know, imposter syndrome sure. like right out of pharmacy school. Cause it was like a three month gap from when I mm. started applying and interviewing and getting these job offers to when I accepted my job offer with foundation medicine and like, each job offer I got, it was harder and harder to decline. Sure. And I, I was, you know, talking to some, some of my mentors and, 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 and people that I met, you know, at pharmacy school. And I was like, I don't think it's the right opportunity. I don't think it's the right opportunity. This is, you know, the, it's not just the pay, but like something didn't feel right about, you know, the manager that interviewed me or w- whatever it was. And everyone, kept telling me just stick to your guns and as hard as that was i could not be happier that i did that three month period where i was feeling you know up and down and getting pumped to get a job offer and then just getting swatted down because it was just something that's offensively unrealistic but at the same time you gotta really be intentful with what you're doing and you got to stick to your guns. If you think you deserve an opportunity, go for it and continue to go for it until it happens. I had an Excel file. I don't have it anymore because I broke my other MacBook. I dropped it. Um, but it was like, I think over 260 job applications that I sent in 
and you know like 10 to 20 a day like yeah. not just not just like the linkedin like easy sure. apply like i'm going into the, the system yeah. i'm writing a letter of intent or a you know a cover letter for these companies mm-hmm. and no no one even looking at them sure. i would say the majority of people i didn't get a call i didn't get a phone screen um one of the phone screens i totally bombed and it was like i think it was like my first phone screen she she asked me something like have you ever you know have you ever worked before i was like no but like i've i've done appies and ippies and you know these internships and she was like but they were not paid i was like well one of them was paid and that was the one in between undergrad and she's like but it was an internship and i was like what are you what are you asking <laughs> you're asking me if i got paid yep which I did, but at the same time, it was an inter- It was a paid internship, so it doesn't count as actual work experience. She's like, no. And I was like, why is that? And she's like, yeah, you know, I think we're going to pursue other candidates. And I was like, yeah, no, that's fair. Just um, start fighting with the interviewer. That's number one. Make, yeah, exert always your power. Fight with the yes. <laughs> always show no. that you have the upper hand. <laughs> No, definitely don't do that. I was just really confused about how she was asking questions and what yeah. she was asking. Um, but, but, you yeah, had, was, but you had an idea. Process. I, I think what I'm trying to get to is understanding how much of an idea you had and how much confidence you had in what you wanted to do. And you've, you've, made, you've made a very clear picture of this uh, that try and figure out what you actually enjoy and don't just go into something because of the money or the, um, the avail- oh yeah, and jobless. Yeah. No joke. It's, uh, especially with, with the student loans, you come out of Xavier, I'm sure it was not cheap. I went to a private college too. It was not cheap. And you, right when you get that first bill, do you remember that first bill you got it, the amount of money? Per month that I was putting into loans when I first came out was incredible. I don't even know how I did it. We were, we just had a kid. We were only married for two and a half years and we had no money, none. I, I'm going to talk a little, uh, if we have a little time, I'm going to talk a little bit about my mid year experience. It was horrible. I, I hope I didn't talk about it already, but it was bad. Um, so hopefully I can bring that up. Uh, I do have a, a, just a couple more questions. I want, I want to ask you specifically that point to what a student is, is asking themselves or, uh, potentially maybe even coming back to it in the future. If we get some, some good questions or responses, I, I'm, I'll pitch them your way and, and we'll come back to that. So moving on to the, a couple of our last questions, I want to focus on what we can tell students that will help them make the right or better choices from here on out. Uh, so if you're a student coming in first year, maybe you're in your first, second year even, where you are just really starting to understand what our role is in healthcare as pharmacists, what would you do at this point if you really only ever thought retail was possible or, or working in the healthcare system was possible? Uh, possible at a hospital and now you're just like no i i know that i'm good at a b and c what would you do at that point um well i think the first like the most important thing i would tell myself if i like went back is um 
know what you like and know what you don't like and really do the research around, you know, what jobs and what specific areas of pharmacy um, are going to complement them and what are going to kind of go against the grain mm. and, and cause friction. Um, and, and yeah, be very honest with yourself because the last thing you want to do is get yourself in a situation where you're unhappy and then, you know, look for every possible scapegoat on why you're unhappy when, you know, you know, these foundations of what you like, what you don't like, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Um, and just kind of stick with those. And, you know, sometimes you have to make compromises. Absolutely understand that. But, you know, just be confident in what you want to do. That's and, and as far as finding opportunities, talk to people, have those awkward conversations. You know, if you, if you find out one of your professors worked as an MSL, you know, and go talk to them. Go mm -hmm. see what their experience is. I think I think the one of the most important things at at pharmacy school is not only relationship development, but these are seasoned professionals that are teaching you, and they are happy to talk about their experience. You know, and if you come off as genuine, you know, you you're not like, oh, you used to work at Merck. Like, do you think you can get me an interview mm -hmm. there or put me in contact with somebody? Like. That should never be your intention. Your intention is to take their brain to learn and help that and make your own decisions. Um, That's a great point. That I, is a wonderful point because, again, people see through that. Know yourself by yeah. finding, talking to more people. I, I think that I discovered that what my passions were because of I, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that job existed or I didn't even know that this thing was a possibility. Had I talked to more people intentionally trying to discover and not to get something for it, that would have changed yeah. my trajectory for sure. Yeah. I mean, like it, it seems like such a basic concept, but if you look at the other students you're going to school with and you see how, you know, they operate. Uh, one thing that I heard a ton in school that really irritated me was like, oh, I'm paying 60K a year to go here. Like, you know, I deserve this or I'm entitled to that. And it's just like, mm -hmm. I mean, you sent, you sent in the application. You knew it would be expensive. You know what you're getting yourself into. It's on you to make the most of your opportunity. You know? Yeah. People it's tougher with younger people. You these opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't. You're young. I mean, but I, I you, was young. It, I was super young. Yeah. You, <laughs> it, it, you had a different mindset. I believe that the adult learners that were in my class, I'll call them adult learners. Uh, some of them were really just in mid to late 20s, and this is their second career. They decided mm -hmm. I was working in marketing and I wanted to go back to pharmacy to do what I always thought I wanted to do. They were intentional. They knew what they wanted. Yes. They, they would go and find uh, very unique sites to be at and talk to them and say, hey, listen, this is what I want to do with my internship. I want to do A, B, and C. I want to do them for you. Uh, or maybe I can build something 
based off of what your needs are, but I want the experience to do that. I'm not asking for any money. I'm not asking for anything from you. I want to help you. Can I make this a site? And the experiential education director guaranteed if it's an appropriate site would love to add a new site to their list. It makes them look good because they're offering opportunities and nobody else is offering. Uh, it fulfills their desires as an educator because these educators guarantee you that they can make double what they're making at the academic institution if they're out in an industry uh, or working in the clinic space. But they took a, a pay cut to be happier. And I think a lot of us can learn from that. I, I'm now understanding that with, you know, I've got four boys now married, uh, moved multiple times and I've seen how people live. I've seen how people spend their money and pharmacy students coming out because they get that massive bump overnight. They buy the dumbest stuff and they, they, they don't invest. They don't do 401k. They, uh, they're frivolous and there's a, there's a sense of maturity that comes with time, but it's not about money. Find what you love. And sometimes money is a part of it, which is great. Sometimes you make a lot of money just because you're good at it, reflecting from your passion, but it's not always that way. Um, so just find your happiness. Uh, and like you said, really, really dig in to figure out who you are and, and what you truly want to do, not because that's what everybody's telling you what to do or, or suggesting. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. That's, that's like the main thing. You got to know yourself before you can, you know, ap apply yourself to different, different job areas and different, you know, focuses in your career. And mm -hmm. I think understanding that I didn't want to do retail, understanding that I loved, and I didn't talk about this, but I loved working at a, you know, like a primary care office. I was at Yale New Haven Hospital and I worked with um, Dr. Tamara Baum, who was my preceptor and one of my professors, um, one of my, probably one of my favorite professors I've ever had. Um, and she got me every opportunity possible at that primary care she allowed me to do you know anti-coag also doing you know home visits for people in the new haven area which was an incredible experience seeing you know just just working with these patients intimately and um also allowing me to do a psychiatric rotation once a week with the psychiatrist that came in um because that was another thing that was really important to me too and the more the more opportunities you seek out as a student the easier you're going to come to that conclusion of what you want to do and what you want to do yes okay and that's that's huge i'll say this last bit about an experience that i had when i came back to my retail position uh i i was asked to come back and i ended up going to a, a really unique position where i was running wellness teams for businesses outside of my company. So there are external stakeholders that we are working with to do health screenings, flu clinics, blood pressure clinics. I was doing uh, talks, giving, giving talks on heart failure, vaccinations, pneumonia, everything, right? When I was told 
that I was being, they call it voluntold, voluntold to do a position because it's a development position. I had my eyes on being the intern preceptor uh, where I would, I would help run the intern program, help develop the students uh, with their projects, uh, get them connected to the right people. That's what I knew I was good at and I would be excited doing it. So when they said, no, you're actually going to go into, into the, the division wellness uh, coordinating position, I, my heart sunk. I was mad. I was upset. And, but I was like, I, I can't say no. I'm going to be happy, put a smile on and go. It was a tough experience getting into it, but that was the light to, uh, that was a spark to, to light the flame of, oh, there's a lot more out there and you really should lean into the hard, the difficult decisions, the ones that people kind of steer away from for app rotations. Sometimes it's because it's difficult and it adds to your load, the load of your, your work. Now, I'm not telling you to be a, a masochist, a self-masochist and just throw yourself into the melee. But I remember, I remember going to a, some longitudinal studies with another preceptor for an app rotation that I had nothing to do with, but I had to make up some, some time. So I go there and I did the longitudinal and I saw the difference between the students who were going and trying to survive and the ones who were going and trying to really learn something new. And there was a stark difference. So I think it, it would behoove us at some point to come together in the future too, maybe with TJ and discuss, maybe create a stepwise process of how you can be successful in school by creating your own learning pathway. Because that's what this is all about. You paid $60,000 a year and it's not to just lay over and die and let whatever syllabus come your way. It's you paying $60,000, you better get the worth out of it that you want to. So I think everybody listening today, if you're a student, take encouragement because it's not over. You might be in your last year, but in, if you're going into your app irritations right now, talk to your preceptor and, and start networking inside of your, your rotation. If you're at the hospital system and you're working with ID, we'll see if you can round with the actual ID, uh, the chief or the attending even, or a chief resident, go, go try, take some time in the, uh, transplants unit. So, cause you don't know anything about transplants. See if you can talk to the specialist a bit, right? That, that is, uh, yeah, that's another interesting thing. So I, I was at Lawrence Memorial hospital and I was really, when I was in school, I was really into infectious diseases and the overnight pharmacist that worked there um, was on the antimicrobial stewardship committee. And he was developing the formulary as well as like resistance and sensitivity charts and stuff. And I asked my preceptor, I was like, hey, can I do overnights for a week? I think it'd be a great experience. And she was like, well, you know, students aren't allowed to do overnights. I was like, yeah, but like, what if they were, you know, mm -hmm. like, what if we were able to pull some strings and we did, and it was a great experience. Um, he, he was a really cool pharmacist and I was the first student I think he's ever had because he was overnights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but like, take those, take those opportunities, you know, do the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Did it suck going to work at 10 PM and, you know, leaving at 6am for a week. Mm -hmm. and I've never done that. Yeah. It was terrible, but 
and when all your friends are out partying or you know i I want to do mm -hmm. yeah you're gonna have to take a step back sometimes (laughs) okay so this this is really i'm loving it i i like that we've we've garnered this this friendship and been able to see the progression of uh where you started off coming with your tucked in polo and uh side part coming over like you're going to church asking if you can have a job in the pharmacy to here being in a technology-based oncology first coming right out of school and really find your niche in the technological space it's yeah. it's it's great to see it. it it makes me feel good to say you know yeah i've got i know some people who really put themselves out there so give it to you dan it's uh it's it's great if if anybody wants to uh find you on linkedin yeah i mean happy to connect and chat with anybody on linkedin um search me on linkedin as daniel o'hara that's o apostrophe h-a-r-a junior comma farm d um that is what my name is on LinkedIn. I actually don't have any other social media and I haven't had social media since like 2015, but yeah, happy to connect and chat with anybody on LinkedIn. Okay. So let's end it with, uh, what we usually do here. We talk about something that's non-medical at all. Let's talk about something that you're enjoying right now. Something new, uh, maybe Uh, something you're eating, drinking, doing hobby, anything. Formula one. Formula One. I've gotten, in, I've gotten into Formula One over the last, I would say, year and a half, and I love it. I went to my first race in mm-hmm. Montreal, Canada, in June. Um, most interesting thing is kind of the dynamics of the teams and the drivers. So there's ten teams, and each team has two drivers, and so not only are you racing against other teams, but you're also racing against your teammate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see something that I, I'm, I've been doing recently. Um, so I'm now getting into lawn care like a father. Now I don't have any new balances yet. Uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there saying, oh yeah, that, that's this model. Cause I've heard it a million times. I just can't remember it, but I need some grass stained new balances, uh, with some tall socks and, uh, very whitewashed jeans that are just a little bit too large for me in order to get the lawn care down precisely as a dad, but I'm getting there. I will tell you that, um, part of my new hobby is to rid the varmints from this area because, I went outside late the other night to let my dog out, which I usually do around 1130 or so. It's all fun and games until what you think is a cat running across the backyard ends up being a skunk and he goes, runs after it, gets sprayed. I spend the next two and a half, three hours washing him and I had to open the pharmacy the next morning, get done, settled, you know, energy levels are way higher than they should be at 2.30 in the morning go back outside to finish up and I see the skunk out in the front yard like you bad word there I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it so we have to bleep it we yeah well he, what happened was he was digging the front yard and I, I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna go kill it I don't know why I wanted to kill it but uh, it was very murderous so I go over there and I look and there's massive holes all in my yard turns out there's bees in the ground and they was digging them up and trying to eat all the bees the skunk so 
keep your skunks around, but I am now trying to find where this layer of bees is coming from. There's multiple nests. So if anybody knows anything about mm, bees in the ground, other than my brother who is uh, in pest control, please help me out. Uh, but that's what I'm going for. It's might not, might not be a hobby, it might be a challenge in my life, but I'm, I'm working through it, Dan. Dan, great to have you on, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right, you got it. Talk to you guys later. And just remember, go ahead and visit patreon.com slash WCRT if you want to get the behind the scenes uh, show notes, uh, some more resources, and of course the off script podcast where we let loose, let the hair down a little bit. Until then, everybody, this is White Coast of the Round Table with John McDonald. Thank you.